three months. So this Sunday, I'm very excited to um, kick off a new series for us. This new series, Abraham. We call it Abraham, the friend of God. And I trust that we will learn more about Abraham, why he was the only one in the, new, in the Old Testament to be called the friend of God. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. The only person that God actually said, this is my friend. The only person. Did I say that again? So, Because we see that in Isaiah 41, um, verse 8, when God was, spoke, uh, was speaking to uh, Jacob. He said, but you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you, descendant of Abraham, my friend. So God actually said that. He, so it was not because uh, someone else was saying, oh, I think Abraham is God's friend. God actually spoken to say, Abraham is my friend. And I trust as we go through this series, we will learn more about uh, Abraham and have a greater understanding of what are the attributes, the characteristics of Abraham. Uh, actually, we don't need to do that yet, Liam, but thank you. You're jumping ahead. Um, so, um, and, I, and, and I trust that we can learn about what Abraham did and what the characters that Abraham had in order for God to call him as his friend. Uh, I do understand and realize the term friend nowadays doesn't carry as much significance. Um, but for us, as people of God, followers of Jesus Christ, we should have a good understanding of what it means when, when we, we refer to someone as my friend or, or friends, what have you, because it's not the same as my buddy. Right? Because we use that term a lot. Hey, buddy, what's up? But the biblical term for friend, it carries with it a lot of loyalty, respect, honor, protection, you know, togetherness, unity. Uh, and I want to briefly take a few minutes to, to see, because Jesus also spoke about friend. You know, what does it mean to be a friend? And uh, Liam, can you put that, um, <laughs> that passage up, please? What it means to be a friend of God, right? It's from John 15. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I, that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. You did not choose me. Jesus was speaking, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So there's so much to go through in this short passage, but I wanted to highlight a few things, right? So as you can see, once we accept Jesus into our hearts, into our lives, and become uh, followers of Jesus, we're also his friends. He's calling us his friends. So let that sink in for a second. Of all the biblical characters, and there were many, only Abraham was the only one that God called his friend in the Old Testament. But now, all of us get to, the, get, the, get to have the privilege and the honor of being called friends of God. So think about that for a little bit. You know, our King, the Almighty God, the creator of the whole universe, the God who knows all things, is all-present, all-powerful, that that's mighty and impossible for us to comprehend and understand. He does not want to be worshipped by a... a man-made um, objects, right? Whether it's made by wood or s silver or gold, we learned that from Deuteronomy. But he wants to have a relationship with us, and he wants us to know that we are his friends. That's what he wanted, and let that sink in for a second. And he has chosen us to be his friends, because we would definitely choose him, right? He's the most popular, 
most powerful person. So anyone would choose him, but also he has chosen us. We didn't choose him. He chose us to be his friends. So I wanted to encourage everyone to keep that passage uh, of uh, John 15 in mind as we work through this series on Abraham together and what it means to be a friend and how God sees what a friend means. So, um, and, then, and, and also through our revelations of, of uh, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we get to be known as friends of God. And I said that before. So, so therefore, it's important to learn about Abraham, the, the OG, is that okay for me to say? The original and the very first friend of God, right? The OG, the old God, for those who don't know slang. Uh, the very first person to have the privilege and the honor to be called friend by God. So not only Abraham, and it's, that's why it's, it's, it's important for us to learn about Abraham, because not only was he a friend, but he was also the father of the faith. We see that in Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 16, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. A friend of God and the father of the faith which is what he was also referred to. So after saying all that incredible stuff about Abraham being the, the original friend of God, you may be wondering why it took us so long to go do a series on Abraham, right? And that's a good question, because it's never too late. So we're doing it now. Uh, actually, I felt for us as a church, we should be equipped with uh, an understanding of, of salvation, have a good understanding of what it is to understand the incredible sacrifice of Jesus' death on the cross what it is to be saved, and what, what are we being saved from, so that we can have a solid foundation on uh, salvation before we can truly appreciate what it is to be a friend of God, right? So let's look at Abraham. I encourage you guys to open up on Genesis 12. Uh, you wanted to know what version, so if you want to use the King James, use the King James, ESV, NIV, the message, whatever, the passion, whatever else that you can think of. There's a Vietnamese version too for those who did not know. Um, but uh, just use whatever version that you want to use. So, uh, so let's look at Genesis 12, and that's where the story of Abraham starts. Um, even though it starts in Genesis 12, but his family lineage, lineage traces back to Shem. And Shem is a middle son of Noah, for those of you who may or may not know that. Uh, it, it, and, and from Noah, it goes all the way further back to Adam. Uh, just so we can all be on the same page, uh, we can see from the end of Genesis 11, and the beginning of Genesis 12, there's really nothing special about Abraham, right? He, it's, it seems like God just kind of picked him out of the blue. Uh, actually, his name was Abram. That was his given name from birth by his parents. So in, in relation to his brothers, in relation to his, his aunts and uncles and his grandfathers, there's really nothing special about Abram. Uh, because in, in the beginning of Genesis 12, God just appeared to Abram. There was no explanation, no background on, on if Abram worshipped God or if he knew God or because there was a big time gap between the last time that God spoke to when God spoke again to Abram. So the last time that God actually spoke in, that was recorded was in Genesis 9, verse 8, after the flood. Uh, that's Genesis 9, chapter 9, verse 8, when God said, then God said to Noah and his sons with him. But then you didn't see anything else after that. So there were many generations between Noah's son and Abram. And there was no recorded of what God said to the people. Uh, and there were many generations that came before Abram. And uh, you can tell that uh, they were thinking very highly of themselves. Were thinking that they were just like God. Because we know about the story of the, they were trying to build a Tower of Babel. Because um, in Genesis chapter 11 verse 4, it said, Come, let us build ourselves a city 
with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. And obviously, I think we know this, when they tried to build a tower, God came down and confused the language and he scattered them. So he did this for their own good because they were thinking that they were equal to God or they wanted to be equal to God. They wanted to be just like God, but they didn't know the slightest idea of the definition of the word God, right? Because God is all-present, all-powerful, and all-being, all-knowing. And he was then, and he's still now. And it's similar from the standpoint, when I read this, I, I, the first thing that came to mind was history repeats itself, right? Because we probably think the same thing now. I mean, we, not us, we, but people in general, right? Thinking that we can know all things. We can be everywhere. But, you know, looking up someone's Facebook status that live halfway across the globe doesn't mean that we're all-knowing, right? FaceTiming with someone in another country doesn't mean that we're all-present. It's not the same thing, but we think that way. So it was the same then as it is now. Uh, but anyway, so I wanted to touch briefly on Genesis 10 and 11 to give us a background that the people and the generation was going further and further away from God. And there was really not a lot of evidence of people worshiping God and following him. So that's why it's important when we see in Genesis chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham. And I think even a, a more important, greater importance, just as important is Abraham heard God, recognized that it was from God, and obeyed. So it's not a trivial thing. Because just imagine for generations, people didn't really worship God, didn't really follow God's way, because there was really nothing recorded in, in Genesis uh, 10 and 11. And then suddenly Abraham heard from God, and he obeyed. So let's look at Genesis 12, verse uh, 1 and 3. So the Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Oof. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, Abram was 75 years old, so he's not like a 20-something, you know, adventurous kind of guy looking for a new adventure, and God is calling me to go into the frontier. 75 years old. So the next verse, what we see is Abraham gathered his possession and his family and left. So keep this in mind. He was 75 years old. He was already a wealthy man. So that means he probably had a lot of cattle and livestock, and he's, he's uh, well-respected within the community, well-recognized. I'm sure people come to him for trading, come to him for money, loans, and business, and what have you. But he just gathered all his things and left. So to fully understand, understand and appreciate that is if, if we have a, like for me, I'm in the insurance industry, right? I work in Chicago. I have connections and relationships. But if I were to move to California or move to New York, I almost would have to start all over again because the people in those places would think, well, who are you? you know, what do you do? How do I know you? What can you do? So it's the same thing, even more important back then, because if Abram would move to another town, people would say, well, who are you? What do you have? What can you do? Can I trust you? So it was important that Abram actively obey God. He took everything and he just left. I, I say all those things so that we can appreciate how how. Um, Difficult it was for Abraham to just took everything and left. Um, so they were living in a town called Haran. And if we go back, you guys don't need to turn back to Genesis 11. So Genesis 11 
it said that Abram's father, Terah, was on his way to Canaan, but he stopped in Haran. So now God is calling Abram, hey, go. So then Abram packed up his things and continued on the journey that his father was supposed to be going on. But his father stopped in Haran. So now he's heading to Canaan. So again, why did God chose Abram to bless and make his name great? You know, when I was reading this, that was the first thing that came to mind for me. It's like, what about his cousin, Lot? What about uh, anyone, anyone else? But why Abram? It's because I just felt that God knew of Abram's faithfulness. Even before Abram knew of his own faithfulness. As we can see, as we go through this series from Abram's action, this Abram slowly grew in his faithfulness in God slowly grew in his trust in God. And, and uh, obviously, that was a big, momentous faith step for him to gather all his things and, and, and um, follow God. But as we can see, he makes mistakes along the way. As we can see, he's making decisions, decided to take matters into his own hands and make decisions and did not inquire of God. But God knew this about Abraham. So he called on him and slowly pulling that out of him. And I think it's the same thing that he always does with us. He's slowly calling things out of us. Whether it's our gifting, whether it's our, our, um, uh, you know, our faithfulness, or whether the, the revelation that we have, he's slowly calling things out of us. And as we obey him, we begin to walk more and more and more into the things that God has for us and become more and more into the person that God has created for us to be. Did that make sense? Yes? Good? No? We still with us? All right, good. So, so that's why I just want to uh, step aside and stress that a little bit because Abraham wasn't really that special. special. But God called it out of him and Abraham obeyed and slowly he's becoming the friend of God. Slowly he's becoming the father of the faith. So secondly, let's go back to John 15, right? You, cho- you did not choose me, but I chose you. And keep that in mind. God chose Abraham. Abraham didn't choose God to be, hey, God, I want to be the guy that you're going to call I'm a friend of God. God chose Abraham. It's the same thing as when Jesus chose us. Keep that in mind. So anyway, there's so many things I want to tell you guys, but I'm trying to squeeze this all in in 30 minutes. So, so hang with me. Are we still good? We, you, you, I haven't lost anyone yet along the way. So as we continue to go through Genesis 12, so, right, go back to Abraham took his possession and his family, including Lot to Canaan. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, Abraham just took action and obeyed God. And that's a momentous faith step, right? Because as you're reading through this, as we, I was reading through this, he didn't ask for any provision or proof to say, well, God, if I'm going to gather everything and move from this town, you know, can you just kind of double my possession first? Because I'm going to suffer as I travel to another town and people are not going to know me for who I am. Can you do this first? Can you do that first? There was no condition. Just, okay, God, I'm going to go. I took, I'm going to take everything. I'm going to go and obey you. Um, you know, again, it's just back then, it's a big deal to have name recognitions and respect in the town that you grew up. And as Abraham was leaving his own country, his own people, his father's household, to go where God's calling him to go. So that's incredible, that, right? He just actively obeyed God. He didn't say, Okay, God, that's good. Let's wait until when I have an offspring, when I have a son first, and then I'll go. 
No, he just packed his thing up and, and went. So that's really big things for us to remember and keep in mind. Uh, I use the example of how important it is. Even for us, if God called us to go somewhere, it's going to take a lot, right? Because most of us will probably plan. It's like, okay, well, where am I going to go? What are my kids going to do? What school are they going to be in? But Abraham just packed up all his things, and he just took off. Right, didn't take off. He followed God. Right, so he left Haran, uh, left his childhood town where he grew up, uh, and as he um, left and on his way to Canaan, God gave him another promise. He spoke another thing into him. In verse 7, he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Right, again, Abraham didn't ask for any proof. He just went, and God spoke another thing over him. He, obviously, Abraham didn't see anything, right? It's like, wait, you know, where's the possessions? I thought you were going to make my name great, but not yet. And God spoke another thing over him. And uh, this is important because, as, and then we're going to flesh this out as we go through this series, when God said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now we know that Sarai, Abraham's wife, was barren, meaning she cannot have kids. It's not that she's struggling to have kids or there was miscarriage. She cannot have kids, but God spoke that over him because Abraham obeyed. And God spoke another promise. So keep that in mind. Uh, so, so, so far, we, we, in the story, what we see is Abraham is, is doing well, right? He's obeying God. He's going through the Negev. It's because things are well and good. And I have to say this. This is for myself, too. When things are good, it's easy for me to obey God. I mean, am I, am I the only guy here? To be really honest, for me, if things are going well, yeah, it's easy for me to obey God. Do the things that you call me to do. But when things are tough, when the obstacles and the challenges are there, it's not as easy. It's not as easy. And we can see that here because we can see Abraham took a momentous step of faith. That's a lot of faith. So he's doing, he was coming along, he's going really well, and then now here comes the challenges. Verse 10, it said, however, there was a famine in the land. So Abram took a detour and took matters into his own hand, his own hands by going to Egypt. So we didn't see this because it didn't happen. So Abraham didn't inquire of God. He didn't ask God, God, what should I do? Where should I go? He didn't trust in what God had just spoken over him. He didn't ask for God's provision. He took a detour, right? He decided to take matters into his own hands because, well, there's a famine here, and in Golden Egypt, things are great. It's the same thing as if the economy is not going well here in Chicago, I decided to take a job in Milwaukee or Indianapolis instead of asking God, is this where you want me to be? Just like the example I gave earlier about the temperature, right? Like, maybe I should go to California. I know there's a standing job offer for me to move to L.A. anytime I want. But that's not what God has for me. So that's not what I'm going to do. So, the same, so I'm using that as an example to say what Abraham should have done is inquire of God or just trust in God to say, hey, you have called me here, and this is where I'm going to stick to it. So uh, I, I want to say all that just to say because this may seem like a harmless decision, but there's major consequences from that. Um, so anyway, so he took a detour to Egypt, and not only did he take a detour from his original course, he lied about his relationship with Sarah. He told everyone that Sarah was his sister because he was worried that if he go down to Egypt, 
and because Sarah was so beautiful. And keep this in mind, she was 65 years old. And if, because she was so, so beautiful that the Egyptians would kill him and take her. It's, I mean, I, I know that's how things happened back in the old days. But you know, it could, you know, if, just think of it like today where if you go somewhere and you get into a tragic, tragic accident, you know, the wife can marry again. But he knew and he was worried. He was worried because he was taking matters into his own hands. So he was worried that what could happen. So uh, I think you guys all know this. Uh, so his excuse was, Sarah was a beautiful woman, and she worries that Egyptian would kill him to get to her. So he said, well, instead of that, why don't you pretend to be my sister so that I will get the favors because all the Egyptians would favor Abraham to um, give Abraham things, right, to gain favor with him so that he would hand her over to, uh, to marry them. Did, did that make sense, what I was trying to say? But anyway, I, I say all that just to say that just very recently, just very recently, God spoke to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. The God that created all things. I will bless you. The almighty God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Very recently, not just 50 years before. And whoever curses you, I will curse. So that means whoever harms you, I will harm them. That's what it means, right? And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I remind us again of what God just spoken over Abraham to say that he's very human. Abraham, just like us. Right? He had the protection and the blessing of the Almighty God, but he was still scared of the Egyptians. Because I'm using myself as an example that I know. Because there are times when things in the practical, things that I see around me, whether it's my jobs, whether it's people, sometimes I forget of the things that God has spoken to us and to me over our family. And that's, this is what happened here to Abram, right? God spoke blessing and protection to Abram, but he was still scared of the Egyptians. Come on. Whoever harms you, I will harm them. Whoever curses you, I will curse them. If Abraham was reminded of that, he wouldn't be scared, right? But anyway, let's put that aside. So, so um, Abraham went down to uh, Egypt, lied about Sarah based on his own. And, and I felt it was good for us to, to see that because this was based on his revelation of who God is, who God was. Based on his understanding of how big and mighty and powerful God was. Because God was able to do many things. If Abraham truly believed who God is who God was and that what he said is true, that whoever curses you, I will curse them. He wouldn't have to lie about Sarah. He wouldn't take a detour from Egypt. He would just say, God, you are God. You're going to bless me. And whoever cursed me, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. But Abraham decided to take matters into his own hands. I, I know I'm, I'm kind of going over and over again, so I'm going to get to my point right now. So he made a decision to go to Egypt, lie about Sarah based on his own understanding. And, and it's important to note that God was still with Abraham, even though when he made that decision, right? Um, and as we quickly run through Abraham, uh, Abraham's time in Egypt, so he took a detour, ended up with um, him acquiring male and female servants. So uh, as you read through this chapter, you will see that Pharaoh found Sarah very beautiful. She was trying to gain favor so he, with Abraham, so he gave, uh, Pharaoh gave Abraham 
uh, cattle and donkeys and, and uh, sheep and lambs and male and female servants. And if you read through those verses, I found it interesting that male and female servants was third on the list of all the things that Pharaoh was giving Abraham. But anyway, um, just a side note that I noticed. I see these interesting things when I read the Bible. But anyway, what I wanted to point out is I was trying to say that it's a harmless decision that Abraham, and you would think it's a practical decision, right? There was a famine in the land. Abraham went somewhere else. However, however, this is where Hagar came in. If you guys know the story of Abraham, Hagar was one of the Egyptian servants that Pharaoh gave to Abram. So if you're not familiar with the story of Abraham, remember this name, Hagar. Hagar is the mother of Ishmael. And we'll definitely come back to her down the line. So the reason I was saying it may seem like a harmless decision to go down to Egypt because there was famine in the land, right? And then saying that Sarah was my sister, Pharaoh set his eye on Sarah and gave uh, Abraham all these benefits. Because you would think, oh, well, that's awesome. There's famine in the land. Going to somewhere where things are better. And then actually ended, Abraham ended up being even more wealthy when he left Egypt. But, as I was saying, there's a consequence with the decision that we make. Sometimes when we stray or kind of step off the path that God has for us, or sometimes we make decisions for ourselves. And it doesn't seem like it's a big deal, right? But if you know the story of Abraham, Hagar is a big story. It's a big deal because we just see the benefits. Well, it makes sense. I go where there's job. I go where there's money. But when God has called Abraham and he decided to take one step off where he was going, the consequences is incredible, right? You guys know about Hagar, Ishmael? I see some little bit confused look, so I, we'll come back to that. We will get to Hagar. But it's important to recognize and remember, this is where she came from. And one of the Egyptian servants that was given to Abram from Pharaoh. So at first glance, as I was saying, it's like a reasonable decision that he made. He even gained more um, possessions and servants when he left. So it's the same as when we make decisions. Make sure, I want to encourage you guys, make sure you hear from God. Inquire of God and trust in Him because we don't want to be the people who just live in the city. I'm using this as an example. Live in the city, have kids, move out in the suburb when our kids are older just because it's easier, just because it's better, just because that's what everyone else is doing. What is God calling us to do? What is God calling us to do? And step into it. Follow it. Trust in it. Because the consequences we may not see for years and years down the road. And we don't know how big it may or may not be. But I do want to stress that God was, God was still with Abraham this time. So he did not desert Abraham. He was still blessing him. He was still protecting Abraham. So keep that in mind. Um, all right, where am I? So what I was saying, this may seem like a harmless decision, but it, as we know, there's consequences down the road, but also God is still with him because that is who he is. God is always with us, even when we make decisions that is not according to what he's called us to do. He was still with us because that is the God of the Bible. He's loyal. He called Abraham as his friend. He's faithful. He's, he, he will provide protection and provision for him because that's the God that we know, right? 
because he just doesn't desert Abraham just because he took one step off the path. All right, so let's get back on course for Genesis 12. So let's do a quick recap. Abraham went to Egypt to avoid the famine. So instead of staying the course, he didn't stay the course. He stepped off the course. He kind of lied about his, his wife, who he was. That was really not a lot of integrity in that. Actually, he didn't really lie. She was kind of related to him, as we come to find out later on. And that was shortly after he took a momentous step of faith, right? Because when we see in the first three verses, it's like, wow, Abraham, that's incredible. And that kind of talked to the ups and downs of us as people. Sometimes we have incredible faith. Sometimes, maybe I'm just speaking to myself, sometimes I struggle a little bit, but it's okay. God is still with us. He's always with us. Keep that in mind. What he wants is he wants us to have more of this instead of kind of constantly up and down. And that's what the story of Abraham is going to see is God was calling Abraham and calling the faithfulness of Abraham has within him by, by um, um, just, you know, just going back to, you're my friends if you do what I command. That's what God was trying to do to Abraham. It's just calling him to take one step, one step in front of the other. Do this, do that. And as Abraham was doing that, as I said earlier, his faith slowly grew, and eventually, eventually, he became the father of the faith. Right? We good? Amen? Okay. I, I feel like I'm going on and on and on, but uh, we're going to finish chapter 12 here. Uh, so I pointed out his decision to go to Egypt and, and, and lie about his marital status because I don't want to highlight because of how, I don't want to highlight that Abraham was bad. I just want to say he's just like us. Right? So when we make mistakes, don't be hard on ourselves. Get back on course. Because we will make mistakes. Not if. We will make mistakes. We will have moments where we falter. We will have moments. I have moments where our faith is kind of small. Or we make decisions based on the practical. But get back on course. Continue to seek Him. Continue to inquire of Him. And once we get back on course, God is there waiting for us. And he wants to lead us further and further. That's, and, and that's why I, I, I say that about Abraham to say that he let the obstacles and the challenges and the fears and the things he saw with the natural eyes. There's famine. I need to do something. Right? Versus there's famine. God, what do you want me to do? Where should I go? What should I do, God? Anyway, where am I? I, I think I keep saying the same thing over and over again. But anyway, so it's important to remember and remind each other that God was still with Abraham and remind each other to follow his will and obey the things that God has for us, inquire of him what he has planned for us. So, but the main thing that I want us to remember is Genesis 12. Firstly, Abraham actively obeyed and then he made a mistake. But remember, he got back on course. He got back on course because... That's what we are to do, right? We will make mistakes. We will have moments where we struggle because we're human. But let's get back on course and continue to seek God and follow and live out the things that God has called us to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end by trying to get us to remember. Hopefully, there's one thing that you can remember in this chapter is Abraham actively obeyed God. That's an attitude for a friend of God, right? To actively obey and if I can just say, it's never too late to actively obey God. You are my friends if you do 
if you, if what, what, was, what did Jesus say? You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. Remember that. As a friend of God. Sue gave a very timely testimony earlier, as I said. It's just about us contending for the things that God has for us. Right? That's just a brief example of, of Abraham took this momentous step of faith. And I'm not saying this is what Sue did, but you know, took a moment, she's praying for restoration. It's here, so now we're going to fight for it and contend for it and trusting that God will work through the things that God, that God has planned for us. And Gavin just shared a little bit earlier about just um, about the humble beginning for the things that God wants to work through us. And as Abraham left Canaan, right, there was, he didn't have much. Well, he had a lot already, but he became even more and more wealthy. And as he stepped more and more into the things that God has for him, and he became the friend of God. He became more of the father of the faith. And this is the same with us individually, and this is the same with us as a church. Trust in the things that God has for us. Stay the course. And if we got back off course, let's get back on course and inquire of him, of the, all the things that we, that we want to do because I don't want you guys to go away and remember this, but I just want to highlight, you know, there's always consequences for the decision that we make. Some are smaller than others. Some are bigger than others. But let's stay the course and inquire of God and trust in him, trust in the things that he has for us. So, um, so anyway, that's what I have for us for Genesis chapter 12, just the beginning of Abraham, uh, the story of Abraham and how it all got, got started. And just remember, the OG, friend of God, the original friend of God. And, it's, and it, there's attributes and characters in here that for, it's good for us to learn and to emulate and to just to live and, and, and hopefully not making the same mistake that Abraham did and recognizing of who he was and who God has called us to be. He wants us to be, actually, we are his friends, but he wants us to fully live out what it means to be a friend of God. Amen.